T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. A New York Jets fan was an inspiration for the award to be handed out because you know paper bag hats or heads truly is the definition of what organization is the biggest dumpster fire from the top to the bottom. We'll decide it. Cincinnati Bengals, Miami Dolphins, Washington Redskins, Giants and Jets who play one another on Sunday. Ross Tucker will decide who the biggest dumpster fire in the NFL is in 2019. That doesn't have to do with the present, also the future where they're going from here. Also, Cam Newton, where is he in 2020? Brad Evans will also join us to talk fantasy football. Home and home, a radio.com sports original. We are brought to you by Zip Recruiter. Check them out. It's ziprecruiter.com slash enter. Zip Recruiter is the smartest way to hire. I'm Dave Briggs, home in Connecticut. Ross Tucker, home in Pennsylvania. And Ross, I love the paper bag heads. I feel like they were something we grew up with. You know, I think of the vintage Tampa Bay Buccaneers teams, that ugly white and orange and red uniforms. There were tons of fans with the paper bag heads in the stands back then. You don't see them so much anymore, perhaps because the tickets are so expensive or people are looking at their phones too much. But we will break it down. Who is the worst organization in the NFL? And let's start with the winless Cincinnati Bengals. Are they your worst organization top to bottom? No, but they're close. Um, I mean, it's actually kind of sad, Dave, how many teams can be in the running here. I mean, how many teams, before we get into individual teams, how many teams are we even talking here? I mean, off the top of my head, I haven't even, I intentionally wanted to go into this without any preconceived notions, but right. at a minimum, Redskins, Bengals, and Jets are the first two that come to my mind. I think people could throw the Dolphins in there, the Giants, certainly. But in my mind, a little tease here, Jets, Redskins, and Bengals are the three that immediately came to my mind. Jets, Redskins, and Bengals. Okay, so Jets, so let me then figure out why you're ruling out the New York football giants. Why are they not in your top three? Um, because I still feel like they're in a down cycle here, but I, I like what I've seen from Daniel Jones. I love Saquon Barkley. And I at least feel like the giants have some sort of plan, some Mm -hmm. sort of stability. I don't know that I love their plan, but at least the Giants don't appear to be a rudderless ship and have some pieces that you can build around that are young and that they drafted, like Saquon and Daniel Jones. 
those are the two most noteworthy guys. But even Darius Slayton looks good. Evan Ingram went healthy. Sterling Shepard went healthy. The O line's better, so they've got they've got some positives there. Man, some of these other teams, some of the, like some. Of, what's going on with these other teams? Redskins, Bengals, Jets. They all have recently had disputes with veteran players related to health. It's just such a bad look. I mean, I just don't look. I look at the Giants as being a bad team right now. Yeah. I don't look at them as being one of the shittiest organizations. Okay, so you cite the Giants out of that top five. Yeah, they have a quarterback. I agree. I like Danny Dimes. And they've got a Hall of Fame running back. They've got some pieces on the defensive side of the ball. Why then does Miami not make your bottom three, given they have no quarterback, no running back? You could argue one top-level talent, Xavier Howard, is on the IR. How do they not make your top three? Bottom because three the Dolphins actually have a plan and they're executing that plan and they've got all kinds of draft picks the next couple of years, all kinds of salary cap space. And I can at least see, Dave, how the Dolphins are going to be better next year, better than even that the year after that. I don't know how you say that or at least based on what for the Bengals, Jets, and Redskins. You know, and again, the Dolphins, you know, they're making, I think, some savvy trades. I don't know that I necessarily love every move they've made, but I think the Dolphins, you know, the Laramie Tunsil trade, kind of hard to turn that down. You know, the Minka Fitzpatrick one I didn't love as much, but he wanted out. And they're stockpiling assets to get the quarterback of the future. I kind of like what I've seen from Brian Flores so far. They've played much better over the last month or so. You know, they've won a game. They could have won a couple other games, even though they've traded like all their best players. They're still not that bad right now. I do power rankings on Tuesdays on my podcast, which is available, radio.com app, by the way. And... I have them better than like four teams, even though they're not even really trying to win this year. So I think the Dolphins are are at least, they have a rudder. They're not a rudderless ship. They at least have a direction they're going. So I feel, I actually feel decent about the Dolphins right now. Now it might take a while and I'm not sure Tua is the right guy. And by the way, they might not even have the number one pick to even take Tua, but at least they have a direction that I can see. I, I, I can't see what the Jets are going to do other than firing Adam Gase. Can't really see where the Bengals are going. Can't really see what the Redskins are doing. I, I mean, I really think at least the Dolphins have a plan and a strategy. Okay, Washington Redskins, I think are tough to top. And making matters worse, or at least poking fun at their misery, Harper's Ferry Brewing beer company in Virginia is starting their own beer called sell the team IPA aimed at Dan Snyder. And they describe that beer as bitter and slightly disappointing like a trip to FedEx field. The Redskins have no coach. They have no quarterback in my estimation. They have an old running back who is still a force of nature, but is just about done. 
I don't know what you think of Darius Geis. Too early to make that ruling. So really, what's the one player you like? McLaurin, wide receiver, talented guy out of Ohio State. I think Washington makes a pretty solid argument as top to bottom, the biggest dumpster fire in the NFL because, of course, Dan Snyder and Bruce Allen. Yeah, I I, I still... At least the Redskins. No, I I, I got nothing. <laughs> you got nothing. So do I mean, they win? I mean, Redskins, Bengals, Jets, bro. It's rough. I mean, Redskins, Bengals, Jets. It is it is really rough to come up with something positive. I think you can make a strong argument for any of them as being the worst. I guess if I'm looking for positives about the Redskins, I would say that they have not been as flaky, maybe is the word, in terms of their decision-making process. You know, they had Jay Gruden as coach for a while. They've had some decent recent success when they had Kirk Cousins and they won the division, whatever year that was, they're going to get a new coach. Maybe there's some hope there. They've got some good offensive linemen. Brandon Sheriff, who's a free agent. Trent Williams, who refuses to play for them. Terry McLaurin is probably the main positive there. Their D-line's pretty good. The Alabama kids, Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne. Even Matt Ioannidis, their D-line's pretty good. That's something nice to build around. But they are dysfunctional. They are sad. Uh, they are disappointing. But the Jets, I mean, we went over this the other day, Dave. The Jets, I mean, they literally had a GM handle the head coach hiring search. Then they had that same GM go on a spending spree for Le'Veon Bell and Jamison Crowder and Kalache Osemele and others. Then they had him draft Quinn and Williams and the other guys this year. Then they fire him a couple weeks after the draft. I mean, there is not anything more dysfunctional or worse than that. I don't know how you could even argue. And then that head coach gets to be interim head coach for a while, you literally fired the guy that hired the head coach. So what does that say about the head coach? If you fire the guy, that looks awesome. If you fire the guy that does that, like if you fire the guy that hired the head coach, what does it say about the head coach? And their owner's not even around. Where is their owner? You know, you're a politics guy. Where is Woody Johnson? He's doing something for Trump somewhere. Yep, he's the ambassador over there in, in the UK. Um, all right, so let's let Brian Baldinger, uh, NFLNetworkRadio.com NFL analyst, weigh in on the Jets' miserable, m- miserable situation. I'd have to say the Jets are in a worse place right now because they got a new coach that was supposed to at least get the quarterback straightened out. And the quarterback is uh, has gone as far south as you can go. I remember... Ross asking Tony Romo midseason last year against the Bears what he thought of Sam Darnold because I respect Tony's really insight to the position and he thought Sam Darnold 
when Tom Brady and when Drew Brees and when Aaron Rodgers eventually ever step aside. He thought Sam Darnold could carry the mantle as the best quarterback in the league, and he thought his decision-making, the talent, all that was there. And you, nobody could say that right now. Nobody. I mean, he, he looks completely broken at this point. And so, and Daniel Jones is a turnover machine. Now, I think you could correct that, but I think you have to start with the quarterbacks right now. And where is Sam Darnold? And why isn't he better? And why can't they put an offensive line together? And I'm good friends with Joe Douglas. I've known him 20 years. I believe Joe's the right guy for this job. I don't know. He's got a lot of decisions to make from the head coach to how to build this team, to how to spend their assets, um, how to stop the leaks in the building uh, on the trade deadline. I mean, there's. I would say the Jets are in a worse place if that's possible right now. Wow. Brian Balder making a strong case. The New York Jets are the biggest dumpster fire in the NFL and deserve the honorable paper bag award. I have to go with the Redskins. I think Darnold's a better quarterback than Haskins. They have a future Hall of Fame running back. They've got a federal general manager, and they don't have a meddling mess that is Dan Snyder. They also have, to boot, one of the worst facilities in professional sports. People hate the experience at FedEx Field year after year, named the worst facility, the worst experience in the NFL. I sense you're kind of straddling the fence here. Give me number 32. Who is number 32 in your estimation, Ross? Man, that was a good pitch by you right there. You kind of sold me a little bit on that. Did they win? I'm going Redskins. I'm going Redskins Redskins because Trent Williams is their best player. And to get in this situation with your best player and then to not trade him, that's about as bad as it gets. And you're right. I like Darnold more than I like Haskins. So I think the Redskins are in the worst shape. I just still think that I think the Jets, the Jets are a joke, uh, but the Redskins might be worse right now, which is hard to believe. Wow. 30 will be Bengals, 31 Jets, and you, Washington Redskins, win the first ever Baghead Award as the worst organization, top to bottom in the NFL. In just a sec, we're going to discuss Cam Newton. Where is he next season? And why Mitch Trubisky wants all the TVs off at the Bears facility, Ross. But first, hiring can be a challenge. As Codable co-founder Gretchen Hebner discovered, she needed to hire a game artist for her education tech company. She knew it wouldn't be easy to find someone to grow with her team. That's why she went to ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. Finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job so you get qualified candidates fast. Gretchen posted her job on ZipRecruiter and said she was impressed with how quickly she found qualified applicants. She also used ZipRecruiter's screening questions to filter her candidates so she could focus on the best ones. That's how Gretchen found a new game artist in less than two weeks. 
With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for all businesses. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter, smartest way to hire. Carolina Panthers don't need to hire a new quarterback. They've got Kyle Allen, who so far has been 5-1 and one in replacing Cam Newton. 60% of his passes he's completed. Just about 1,300 yards, nine touchdowns, four interceptions. Looks like they're in pretty good hands at the quarterback position, and therefore the question is, with Cam Newton turning 31 next season on injured reserve for the rest of the season, what is his future? Is it in Carolina? Is it elsewhere? The key factor, a $19 million cap hit next season. Here's how it played out on WFNZ, radio.com affiliate in Charlotte, North Carolina, when they discussed his future. This texter, uh, Tim, or an emailer, Tim says, David Tepper actually mentioned that maybe Cam should sit out the year during preseason. You don't give up on an MVP because he got injured. Give him the chance to get back and compete. I don't think Ron and Marty are going anywhere. They put this team together, and then Cam got hurt, so we never got to see the Panthers team Mr. Tepper actually wanted. Next year will be the make-or-break year, not this year. I think it's possible. Um, as far as what he said about Tepper sitting out the season, that was over the shoulder, right? Maybe he just needs to sit out the season. His shoulder was fine. This is a completely different injury that has him sitting out the season. Um, I, I just think, Bone, I love Cam. But I think if you end up essentially spending another year trying to gauge Cam's health and he, and he gets hurt again, I just feel like you're way, I feel like you could be spinning your wheels. Especially, you know, how many NF, precious NFL seasons can you use to gauge the health of a quarterback? That's what they're up against. Do they believe in him? And the thing is, all the free agents that they have right. to sign. If we didn't have this free agent situation, I don't think it would be near as much of an option. Because, get rid of Cam. because there's the thought of winning now. Do you well, think Cam has played his last game as a Panther? Well, inevitably, you know, this game has a way of discarding us all. Um, I'm not sure if Cam's there yet. It's going to be up to him. You know, he's made generational changing money. And, you know, guys like myself that are trying to make life-changing money, we stick around as long as we can. It's a different era now because these guys are making so much more. So for me to try to get into where he's at emotionally, yeah. psychologically, you know, it's just impossible. So... You know, those are going to be totally up to Cam. It sounds like from the post that uh, he wrote that he's still engaged, he still wants to do it, but sometimes it's just time for change, and I'm not sure if that's going to happen here, but now you have to factor in the Panthers and where they're at financially and the amount of money that they could change with some of the players that they have coming up and the way that Kyle Allen has stepped up. It's going to be tough to bring him back for $19 million when you can save $19 million on a cap unless there's a – uh, unless there's a renegotiation and some co sort of structure change with his salary, I don't foresee him being here in the future. WFNZ in Charlotte on the future of Cam Newton, the most identifiable player in that organization's history, really the face of the franchise until now. Of course, it is Christian McCaffrey. So let's play some rapid fire with you, Ross Tucker. I believe there is another chapter in Cam Newton. This guy is too talented, has battled back from too much. Yes, two shoulder surgeries, now the Liz Franck injury. 
too talented a guy, too tough a dude to let this be his last chapter. So rapid fire on where he could be in 2020. First question, Panthers, yes or no, and why? Um, well, that I would say that one in particular is impossible to answer until we see what Kyle Allen does the rest of this year. I think if Kyle Allen plays really well and the Panthers make the playoffs, they're going to move on from Cam Newton. I think if Kyle Allen shits the bed the rest of this year and they finish 7-9, and I think they're bringing Cam back. So it's interesting. I don't think the Carolina Panthers' decision on Cam Newton at this point really has anything to do with Cam Newton. I think the Carolina Panthers' decision on Cam Newton at this point is almost entirely about Kyle Allen. And I think he's going to end up playing well enough, Dave, that they're going to be willing to move on from Cam Newton. I don't think he's back in Carolina. I don't know if they'll make the playoffs, but I think Kyle Allen will play well enough that the Panthers will feel like he's a winning starting quarterback in the NFL and that it no longer makes sense to put their faith and their franchise in with Cam Newton because of the injury history. And really, I mean, I know people said he he was playing pretty well the first half of last year before he got hurt, but it doesn't seem like he's played very well very often as of late. And with all these injuries, what are the chances he's going to be the running threat he's always been? I don't think real good. And then if that's the case, how valuable is he really? So I personally think Kyle Allen plays well enough that the Panthers move on from Cam Newton after this year. But I do think his status in Carolina, at least, is heavily dependent on how Kyle Allen performs the rest of this year. Agreed. So let's make the assumption moving forward that Kyle Allen plays well enough to hang on to that job and that Cam Newton looks like a passable quarterback in workouts, uh, whether it's in the postseason or whether it's in the offseason. Here are your teams. And let's just go yes and no. Tennessee Titans, would they take him for a year, maybe two? Yeah, I think I can see uh, I can see Mike Vrabel liking that and 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 being and that's a possibility on a scale of one to ten i'll put that at a uh how many teams are we going through i'm gonna go through my top five options all right i would say that's a three okay denver broncos hmm Denver Broncos have no option at quarterback. They have Brandon Allen, took his first NFL snaps last week, did beat the Cleveland Browns. It is clear uh, Jake Locke is not quite uh, – I, I don't think Drew Locke is ready. John Elway has said he's nowhere near ready to be on the field now. Will he be next year? Let's just assume he is too much of a project to be ready for next year to be the Broncos' starter. Cam, is he a good one-year replacement? I don't see John Elway doing that. Uh, I'm going to say two. Washington Redskins. Dwayne Haskins looks like a massive project. One, that's not happening. They're going to go with Haskins. Tampa Bay Bucks will have to move on from Jameis Winston. Yes or no? I'm not ready to say that yet. No, I think that's probably a, a two as well. And here's my favorite and final. Chicago Bears have to move on from Mitch Trubisky 
Chicago Bears is Cam their quarterback next year? I think that's the most likely. But I actually think, Dave, that there's a decent chance that Nick Foles plays just okay in Jacksonville and that the Jags elect to go with Gardner Minshew as their starting quarterback and that the Bears might prefer to trade for Nick Foles over Cam Newton. Believe it or not, because of Matt Nagy and Nick Foles, their familiarity in that offense, the success, they were in Kansas City together. You know the way the NFL works. They spent that year in Kansas City together. And I I just think, man, I, I, I think that there's a pretty decent chance that that ends up happening. So it's weird because I think that the Bears are the – most likely scenario for Cam, but I actually think that Nick Foles is even more likely than that. And I think there's another scenario out there, which they were talking about on WFNZ, which is that Cam hangs him up. And I just think that if he doesn't get the love that he wants, if if there's not a team that's like, whether it's Carolina and they say you're our guy or some other team that just loves him, wants him to be the guy, and by the way, the whole dynamic of this is weird because I got to think he's going to have surgery if it hasn't healed yet, even though they said he hasn't or doesn't need to. How do you trade for him and give up a lot of assets when you don't even know he's healthy in March and April when you're making these decisions? It's a really bad situation for Carolina to be in. It's not a position of strength. I feel like if the Jaguars play Foles the rest of this year, they'll at least be in a position of strength in terms of potentially trading foals or Minshew for that matter. Uh, Whereas I don't think, I mean, Carolina, it's a tough one to, to really trade for Cam not knowing how healthy he is. Like who's to say him sitting out the rest of the year means he's even healthy. Yeah, look, I just can't imagine that Cam Newton, the warrior that he's been throughout his career, is willing to let this be the final chapter in this very fascinating story. Um, Now, I hope he gets off this vegan diet. Truth be told, I do believe all the nutritionists out there who have reported and said that they don't believe you can recover from a serious injury without eating some serious protein. Sidebar there. I just think Cam Newton is back. I think he could get a shot with someone like the Chicago Bears who still feel like they have a championship-type roster and need maybe a one-year, two-year bridge to whomever is next. And speaking of the Chicago Bears, Mitchell Trubisky has been downright awful. That is not news to you. Pro Football Focus has him ranked, graded rather, as the 34th best quarterback in the NFL. That number might not make a whole lot of sense because, of course, there are only 32 NFL teams. You've got two teams that have two quarterbacks graded better than Mitchell Trubisky on Pro Football Focus, the Tennessee Titans and the Kansas City Chiefs. Yes, Matt Moore who was coaching football when the Chiefs called in high school or was about to, is graded higher than Mitchell Trubisky. The New Orleans Saints would also have two quarterbacks graded higher than Trubisky because Bridgewater is. Breeze just doesn't have enough action to get graded 
just yet. So think about that. You could have three football teams with two quarterbacks graded better than Mitchell Trubisky. And some interesting reporting from Patrick Finley of the Chicago Sun-Times yesterday, who reported that Mitch Trubisky said he's trying to get some of the televisions inside the Bears' Hallis Hall turned off. Trubisky is tired of watching people criticize his team on TV. I totally understand that feeling because confidence is so key for the quarterback position. In fact, confidence is key no matter what profession you happen to have. So how evident of that is the, is the play for Mitchell Trubisky? And what do you think they should have the TVs on instead, Ross? Huh. Um, well, first of all, I, I think this is a really bad look for Mitch Trubisky. A really, really bad look. Now, it's one thing, Dave, if you want to turn the TVs off because you're sick of them being on channels criticizing you and your team. I can live with that. I think it's a little bit soft, but I can live with that. What I can't live with, Dave, and I don't understand for the life of me, is why on earth would you tell the media about that? Why on earth would you say that? Like, I mean, it, it really comes across as a lack of confidence it comes across as thin-skinned. Like, I got news for you, Mitch. They are going to boo the crap out of you on Sunday if you don't get off to a good start. And there's nothing you can do to turn that off. It's just weird to me that he wouldn't realize that that's just not a smart thing to say. It makes it come across as, number one, you're listening to all the criticism. And number two, that it bothers you and you can't handle it. Like, you don't want that to be the image that you represent. That It really makes no sense to me why he would tell the media that and really makes me question his awareness a little bit. I don't know. I, I actually feel bad for the guy. I genuinely feel bad for Mitchell Trubisky, the fact that he can't even look in the direction of a television. This guy's had it so rough. And it's going to forever haunt that franchise, watching those other organizations and who they passed on, of course, to Sean Watson and Patrick Mahomes and how long that will set them back. Uh, let's hear some audio on all this. I've done pretty good with that. Um, trying to get some of these TVs in the building turned off because you got too many people talking on TV about us and uh, what they think about us, what we should do, what we are and what we're not. But they don't really know who we are or what we're capable of people or what we're going through or what we're thinking. Um, it's just the outside viewers uh, looking in. And uh, so, yeah, tunnel vision, earmuffs, and just come to work every day and try to get better and get back to what we know we're capable of doing. I don't mind it. I don't mind it at all. That's Mitch Trubisky explaining why he wants the TVs off. And Ross, I think, you know, hearing what he's saying there, he doesn't believe the critics are right. So why would you want to listen to your critics? I would want to shut them out too. Of course, he's earned all that criticism, but why would you want to sit around and listen to people that never played the game criticize how you're playing? Um, you shouldn't. You shouldn't want to listen to people criticizing how you're playing. But I don't think you should admit that to the media. I don't think you I, I don't think you should want to listen to people criticizing you. But when you admit it to the media, 
you come across as thin-skinned. You come across like you should have the image that mm. you're above that. Nothing bothers you. You don't listen. You don't hear it. It you know people that, that say stuff like that. No no skin off your back. When you say we got to get turned off, I, I I can't hear. I can't take these people saying that. That's just a bad look in my mind. It just I it just. I, I don't see any benefit, Dave. Like, what would be the benefit of saying that publicly? Even if I don't you agree with them, even if you understand, like, what's the benefit of saying that publicly? There is there is absolutely no benefit to that. I just don't mind it. I, You know, it, it read to me different than it actually sounded. It read to me like a guy that wants to hide from all the criticism. It sounded to me like a guy that is not buying the bullshit. And that's okay. That's okay. A guy that doesn't want to hear a bunch of TV critics criticize his game. They've never stepped onto the football field. They are not his coach. They are not his running back or offensive line or wide receiver. Those are the guys that matter to him. Look, it's been downright awful for Mitchell Trubisky. Can't imagine, regardless of what they're saying on television in the Chicago area or across the country, it matters. He's got to have maybe this week to recover and to prove to Matt Nagy that he is worthy of the starting position or they have no chance, no choice, but to move on, move on from him and just wipe away the Mitchell Trubisky era. We're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, we'll talk fantasy football with Yahoo Sports' Brad Evans. What about the Thursday night game, Chargers and Raiders? Also, some interesting uh, side bet action from Brad Evans, Yahoo Sports, after a break. Election Day was time to celebrate in the state of Colorado, at least for Brad Evans from Yahoo Sports. Joins us now to talk gambling and fantasy football. Follow him at Yahoo Noise on Twitter. Brad, good to see you. Dave Briggs, Ross Tucker. Election Day brought with it legal sports gambling in the state of Colorado. You already had legal weed and now you've got legal sports gambling, brother. You must be in heaven. Well, and next year it'll probably be mushrooms. So yes, I'm going to definitely be in heaven. Look, by the skin of our teeth that we pass Proposition DD here in the Centennial State, uh, which to me was a bit nutty because the language uh, on the ballot was very confusing, very misleading for people. People read the first like four lines of the measure and thought, oh, my taxes are going up. No, only casinos are paying taxes and all the revenue from sports betting is going to go to water projects. And of course, we know how important that is in Colorado and really the entire uh, Intermountain West as this state is a linchpin in you know serving those states with the most precious resource on the planet. But yeah, by this time uh, in May, because it looks like things are going to launch May 1st, including mobile out of the gates, the state has done it right. Uh, it's going to be spectacular, and I'm going to lose a lot of money in the process, and I'm okay with that. Why is, uh, why is, why is Colorado the centennial state? What does that mean? Well, uh, I believe it was founded in 1876, officially with the statehood, so the 1776 uh, would be the 100 years of America's existence. So it just kind of coincided with that. So there's the 100 years, centennial, state, yada, yada. And that was your history lesson for the day here <laughs> on Home and Home at radio.com slash home and the radio.com app. 
Look, I, I mean, when you say Centennial State, I'm going to ask. I don't know what the hell that means. I yeah. like to know stuff. Now I know that. Now I'll drop that at some point in the conversation. Somebody will be impressed by my knowledge. I will give Brad Evans no credit whatsoever. <laughs> and I will just act like I am worldly, I am learned, and I am knowledgeable. Speaking of knowledgeable, dude, what are we doing with the Arizona Cardinals backfield. Kenyon Drake was awesome two days yeah. after he got signed. But now David Johnson says he's back. I think David Johnson isn't real excited about everybody else playing running back looking so good. Not a great look for David Johnson. Everybody else they put in there is producing. Yeah, this is one of the, the more pertinent fantasy questions this week. Uh, what will the distribution of touches look like against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Uh, it's anyone's best guess. You know, DJ says, hey, I'm practicing in full. Uh, I'm ready to go. Uh, and he will be in uniform. But yeah, Drake, it looked like the 2017 late season that year version of Drake, who remember was a top 10 fantasy asset at the running back position, uh, a guy that generated last week over five yards after contact per attempt. He forced three missed tackles on 19 touches. I mean, he immediately set the tone with a 36-yard scamper off left tackle up the left sideline uh, and just dominated what many people thought was the most fearsome defense in the NFC in the San Francisco 49ers. So um, I'm in the minority on this perspective, but I think it's going to be closer to a 50-50 split moving forward between Johnson and and Drake uh, on my television show, The Fantasy Football Hour. You can check out on yahoosports.com later today and on regional sports networks coast to coast. Uh, we set an over-under of 13 and a half touches on Drake this week, and I took the over. I think he's going to get 14 or 15, and in a hellacious bye week, uh, that will certainly play probably as an RB2 level output, even though the matchup on paper against Tampa Bay is unappealing as the Buccaneers uh, rank inside the top five and fewest fantasy points allowed. But, Ross, uh, I'm really interested to see this dynamic moving forward. But, man, Drake was spectacular last week. Yeah, it just makes you wonder what the Dolphins are doing with the whole tanking approach because eventually you're going to need quality football players like Kenyon Drake. It brings into question the direction of that organization. You're going to need good football players at some point, and Mika Fitzpatrick has proven he's damn good as well. He's played outstanding yeah. for the Steelers, but I digress. Um, you mentioned the teams on by, Texans, Jags, Patriots, Eagles, and Terry McLaurin. We can't even say the skins, just Terry McLaurin. Although... You know what? Let me ask you. Darius Geis, he is back. Adrian Peterson is ageless. Is Geis a guy worth picking up and playing? Uh, he's definitely worth picking up and seeing what transpires. I will say that much. Uh, I was getting some text messages from uh, certain players in the NBA, believe it or not, last night. I guess I'm name dropping in a way there. But um, they were asking me that question. Should I pick up Darius Geis with my number one waiver priority? I said, look, if you are RB needy right now, Absolutely, you make that move uh, because Washington has one of the easiest remaining schedules for fantasy running backs. I believe it's like the fifth or sixth easiest. And I think Washington needs to see what Geis has, what kind of juice he possesses. You know, they've only seen it in spurts here and there and haven't really given him a full complement of touches because he's been injured so often. So, you know, Adrian Peterson's not the long-term solution. I think he'll take a back seat. I think they're going to feed Geis down the stretch to go along with Dwayne Haskins, to go along with scary Terry McLaurin, as you mentioned, and this young core on this Washington, Washington team to see what they can do on the field. So, 
you know, knowing that, you know, I think the volume is going to be there, knowing that he's got a cakewalk schedule uh, down the home stretch. Hell yeah, you pick him up. And hell yeah, uh, I would probably plug him in at a minimum as a flex in a 12-team or deeper league. All right, Brad, uh, tons of buys this week. We all know that a lot of people don't really put in their fantasy lineups until tonight, today, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Give me a guy or two at every position that would be available in most leagues to pick up that might be able to get you some points and help you get a win this week. Yeah, let's start with the quarterback. I love the chinchilla, the magical chinchilla that rests on the face of one Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, and I like the matchup this week against the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, you look at Miami. Uh, this is a team that, you know, coming off the high of its first win of the year. And Fitzpatrick has really been a catalyst uh, to the recent success of this franchise. He's gone over 20 fantasy points in two of his last three games. You look at the Colts. They're giving up 7.5 in terms of pass yards per attempt on the season. And, of course, with Miami's woeful defense, there's always that, uh, you know, potential of a negative game script, which can only benefit the pass game. So, I think Fitzmagic's got a great shot at like 260 and a couple of touchdowns this week. Running back is a barren wasteland right now. But one matchup I like uh, in terms of, you know, mano a mano is J.D. McKissick of the Detroit Lions going up against my god-awful Chicago Bears who now have to turn off all the TVs in Hallis Hall because Mitchell Trubisky is a wimp. But uh, I digress on that, um, or um, McKissick. McKissick's a guy, you know, played uh, close to 40% of the team snaps last week against the Oakland Raiders, over 70 combined yards and a touchdown. He's a matchup problem for the Bears uh, against the linebacker. The Bears have struggled containing pass-catching running backs this season, giving up close to six receptions per game, over 50 yards per game. So it could be another 50, 55 combined yards, possible touchdown for McKissick. And again, in these lean weeks, you will take that all diggity day long. Let's go crazy deep. Let's dig a hole to China on this one. Andy Isabella, uh, he had a flash of brilliance last week. Uh, we know we're talking about Kenyon Drake uh, against the Niners, but Isabella, he only played on 22% of the snaps, only had one target, but he made the most of that target as he caught an 88-yard touchdown. He's the fastest dude on this team, uh, ran a 4-3-1 40-yard uh, sprint at the NFL Combine. If he gets a little bit of an uptick, in snap share and could see a few more targets in a matchup against ultra-friendly Tampa Bay. A defense has allowed the third most total air yards to wide receivers. It could be another long touchdown for him. And he's widely available right now. And let's go back to Miami and tight end. Mike Jasicki, a guy who's an athletic marvel out of Penn State, is starting to come into his own. He may be on the precipice of a breakout. Hell, he may be in the midst of one right now. After a 90-yard performance last week, you got to remember, no Preston Williams for the Miami Dolphins. So that should uh, lead to an increase in targets for Jasicki. So he's still out there at about 85% of Yahoo leagues. And we know how uh, desolate the tight end position has been this season. But Jasicki uh, could be a magic elixir for you here in week number 10. A.J. Green may make his return in Week 10. Is he worth playing yet, or do you got to wait and see? Well, we'll see if he's got to practice, first and foremost, Briggsy. Um, you know, there seems to be some disagreement on his availability this week. Uh, you know, Zach Taylor came out earlier this week and said, yeah, he's going to play. 
And then Green said he didn't feel that great, didn't feel right in practice yesterday, went in and got treatment. We'll see if he practices today and tomorrow. If he does, I still don't trust him. Uh, I know the Ravens have allowed the 12th most fantasy points to wide receivers, but man, the rust has got to be accumulated. It's got to be inches thick right now on the body of A.J. Green since he hasn't seen a single snap, I think, since the beginning of training camp. Brad, what about um, some of these other injury guys? Le'Veon Bell and Evan Ingram and a bunch of guys popped up this week. Uh, even Brandon Cooks has already been ruled out. What do you what do you typically do with injury guys? You talked about AJ Green if he practices today and tomorrow. Is that kind of your standard? Is it as long as they play, they're a go for you, or do you need them to practice a day or two to be confident having them in your lineup? Well, first and foremost, no player, I don't care who they are, is ever just a go. Uh, this is a matchup-based game. Uh, there are other industry people out there that are like, always start your studs, which I hate. It's the dumbest phrase out there. It's lazy analysis. Uh, no player is immune from a down week. With that being said, um, when it comes to guys like Le'Veon Bell and Evan Ingram, yeah, practice reports are everything. So particularly Friday, it's not so much Thursday because everybody right now in the NFL is nicked and scraped. I mean, it's week 10 for crying out loud. Nobody's close to 100%. So coaches tend to take it easy with their veteran players, but they want them on the practice field at least one time during the week for them to feel confident. Unless it's a late uh, week injury that kind of pops up, then that's more worrisome. But if it's somebody that's been resting the entire week, Friday is paramount uh, in terms of whether or not that player is going to be available. So Le'Veon Bell certainly in that discussion. We'll see if that knee holds up. Though Adam Schefter reported earlier this week that Bell himself said he was good to go. So we'll see if uh, he lives up uh, to that phrasing. Uh, Evan Ingram, though, is dealing with a mid-foot sprain. Uh, it sounds uh, like a Liz Honk injury, uh, which is never a pretty thing. That's what Cam Newton has suffered from and why he's on injured reserve uh, for the Carolina Panthers. So I don't think you're going to see Ingram this week. And this could be a multi-week injury. Uh, the Giants right now calling it week to week. But yet another hit to the tight end position, which just royally sucks right now. <laughs> Brad Evans with us, Yahoo Sports, at Yahoo Noise on Twitter. Kareem Hunt could be back. Nick Chubb owners, time to trade? No, uh, I don't think so. Now, is Chubb going to get, you know, his 21, 22 touches per game in which he's averaged? I think that number is going to be sliced down a little bit. Uh, you know, he may get like 17 or 18 total touches, but he's top 10 in red zone attempts among rushers in the NFL right now. I don't really expect that to change with Kareem Hunt back in uniform. You know, Freddie Kitchens came out and said this week, yes, Hunt will definitely have a role on this team. What that looks like is anyone's best guess. Uh, my speculation is he'll get 9 to 11 touches this week against the Buffalo Bills. That's a friendly matchup because the Bills have really come unraveled in terms of defending the run. And we got to remember, too, that Kareem Hunt, uh, you know, prior two seasons, was one of the slipperiest running backs in the NFL. Uh, the dude, I mean, he's like a squirrel, uh, you know, caked in oil. Uh, he is so tough to tackle. Uh, in the open field that I think what he's going to do is slide in that Dontrell Hilliard role in which Hilliard was garnering right around 40% of the snap share. So uh, he'll see, you know, like I said, 9 to 11 touches per game, entirely reachable for him. I think he's highly employable as a minimum flex option in 12-team leagues this week. But I think Chubb, it could be a less is more approach as he'll stay fresher down the stretch 
with uh, 100% Kareem Hunt being the compliment. Just want to be clear, that was a squirrel caked in oil, right? Squirrel caked in oil. That is correct. I mean, that's like Kareem Hunt, man. Squirrel caked in oil Kareem Hunt. You heard it here. No, no, no secret that weed and sports gambling are now legal in Colorado. <laughs> Enjoy both, my friend. We appreciate the time. Brad Evans, have a good weekend. Go Raiders. Peace. All right, coming up, we're going to take a quick break now. When we come back, the genius behind at Beard Brand, that's on Instagram and on Twitter, hugely successful on IG, is going to help us break down Movember Madness, who has the best facial hair in all of professional sports today. And what does he make of Baker Mayfield showing up at the stadium in a beard then going to a handlebar mustache, then to a dirty porn stash post-game. We're back after a quick break here on Home and Home. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.